Shionagad. Hello, everyone. This is the Origin Story Podcast. I am your host, Michael Owl, and once a month I ask an artist I respect to introduce me to a piece of work or an artist they love. This month, actor, writer, director, moderator, Karen Cisse introduces me to Octavia Butler's novel, Wild Seed. But before we get to that, I want to highlight what we're doing in October because it's a little different than our normal format. I'm still having someone introduce me to a work of art or an artist whom I don't know. But this time, instead of waiting to the end of the month to start talking about it, we're going to talk about it throughout the month. And that's because the book lends itself to that. The book in question is A Night in the Lonesome October. And that is written by Roger... Zelazny. Now, I am not familiar with Zelazny's work. I know his name, and nor am I familiar with The Night and the Lonesome October. But the book, which is kind of perfect for Halloween and takes place in October, uh, is why we're doing the format differently. There are 32 chapters in this book. The first chapter is almost an introduction, And the name of the rest of the chapters follow October 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, etc. So what we're going to do is read a chapter a day in October. And then at the end of each week, I'll have a little conversation with the person who recommended it. In this case, it's Stan Merritt. Uh, And Stan has been a friend for forever. We went to kindergarten together. uh, And he reads this book every single year. And does it in the format I just mentioned. So I'm really excited about this process. I'm, I love fall. I love October. Who doesn't? So does Stan. Uh, but lately, I feel like I have not been getting the most out of my Octobers, which is maybe the almost like a, a poor way to think of it because it puts too much pressure on October. But at least for this particular October of 2023, I'm going to read the book in this way. And I think it's going to help almost like marinate me in Octoberness. Or at least that's my hope. So I hope that you'll read along, follow along. Uh, You can find Michael Owl on Facebook. And uh, that's where I'll be kind of posting my updates and some pictures and things like that as I go through and read the book. So rather than wait till the end of the month to talk about it, we're going to talk about it throughout the month. And then at the end of the month, we will have a big kind of summary kind of thing. But uh, so if you are looking to uh, maximize your October... (laughs) <laughs> Which is, a, again, a horrible way to think of it. But if you're looking to be uh, steeped in October, I like that better. Uh, please read this with me. Uh, again, it's a night in the lonesome October. You can find it at new bookstores, used bookstores, libraries, anywhere. It's uh, Zelazny is the author. And uh, I hope you'll join us with that. And I hope you'll join us on this podcast for that. But let's talk about what we did in September. Because I had a wonderful conversation with Karen Cisse. Karen and I have been friends since our 20s, where we met at Whole World Theater. And you may recall that Karen was on the previous incarnation of this podcast, the Origin Story podcast, where our previous format was more of an interview format, a long-form interview. So we've covered a lot of her career already, and which is nice because also with, as you probably know, SAG-AFTRA are striking. And the Writers Guild was striking as well. The Writers Guild strike just ended as we uh, taped this. So we could talk some writing things, but we mainly focused on uh, bigger picture life things in the uh, the bio section of the interview or the conversation. Um, but if you would know Karen from a 
TV show that films in Atlanta where people are not quite, uh, I guess I can say zombie because they don't say zombie. So it's the zombie show in Atlanta. You'd also would recognize her from uh, a TV show that films here where it's not normal events happening. It's the opposite of that. And I don't know if I can name the name or not, but you get it. It's the uh, show in the 80s where uh, non-normal things happen. Uh, as well as many other things. Uh, in fact, I'm going to read her bio right now. Uh, Karen C.C. is an actress, writer, acting coach, a very good one, producer and Spelman College alumna with over 20 years experience in Atlanta, Georgia, and throughout the Southeast. So you have seen her on things. You've also seen her on um, a show, a superhero show that was on the CW that filmed here. And uh, she is... Uh, She's a respected and long-standing member of the Atlanta theatrical and film and television community. I don't know anyone who doesn't like her or respect her. She has been there and done that. And she talks a little bit about uh, ways where if you were interested in becoming a fixture of a community uh, theatrically, uh, film or artistic, or really even in kind of just the corporate or business world, she offers some advice in this conversation about how to make that happen, as well as a class that she will teach uh, occasionally through the Atlanta Film Society called Making a Name for Yourself, Getting More Than Just Your Foot in the Door. Uh, and I am thinking about taking that. I could certainly use that. And I have no doubt that uh, I would get a lot out of it. And maybe you would too. So I will be linking to her bio. I'm going to be linking to her, um, her page for that class as well as our previous conversation. Again, we got to get into the nitty-gritty of an agent, uh, how you get that, uh, how she got these roles, these recording roles on these great TV shows, and more. So all that will be linked in the show notes. Um, so I hope you will look at that and click on it as necessary. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Wild Seed from Octavia Butler. This is the description from the back of the book. In an epic, game-changing movie and brilliant, moving, and brilliant story of love and hate, two immortals chase each other across the continents and centuries, binding their fates together and changing the destiny of the human race. Doro knows no higher authority than himself. An ancient spirit with boundless powers, he possesses humans, killing without remorse as he jumps from body to body to sustain his own life. With a lonely eternity ahead of him, Doro breeds supernaturally gifted humans into empires that obey his every desire. He fears no one, until he meets Enyanwu. Enyanwu is an entity like Doro and yet different. She can heal with a bite and transform her own body, mending injuries and reversing aging. She uses her powers to cure her neighbors and birth entire tribes, surrounding herself with kindred who both fear and respect her. No one poses a true threat to Enyanwu. En until she meets Doro. The moment Doro meets Anyanwu, he covets her, and from the villages of the 17th century Nigeria to 19th century United States, their courtship becomes a power struggle that echoes throughout generations, irrevocably changing what it means to be human. So when I first heard this, I was wondering what kind of story it would be, and uh, maybe you're wondering the same. So without further ado, let's talk to Karen Cisse about her own work and about Octavia Butler's Wild Seed. Karen Cisse, welcome back to the Origin Story Podcast. How are you doing? I am doing great, Michael. Hello, hello. Glad to hello. be back. So nice. <laughs> uh, it's so nice to see yes. you. 
Um, so it's been about five years since we spoke, and we've got a lot to catch up on. Um, but the first thing I want to do is congratulate you for uh, being elected to serve on the Atlanta local SAG after board. And what a time to be elected. Wow, what a time to be elected. Um, it has been really exciting. Of course, everything has been about the strike. Um, I don't know when this will come out, but we're making progress, I guess. With yeah, so it should be around next, the early next week or end of this weekend. Uh, we'll see. I'm not counting on anything just yet, but as soon as everything passes, it's going to be a rush to do stuff before the holidays probably. And then I don't know. So it might be like a flood you know which is good and bad and crazy all at once so right Right. what was it like running do you campaign at this kind of thing or is it just like uh, people know you and your work and or how does that work yes i mean i don't know how much i can go into all the details of it sure Um, and this is my first time running um I can say that Atlanta just now became a mid-sized market. We had been a smaller market. Um, we are a right to work this state, is a, so it's this is a term. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this is a term of art, like within SAG itself. Yes, yes, yes. So okay. this is just showing, like you know, LA and New York are the large markets, and then you have smaller markets, um, and then really small markets. You know, um, Atlanta kind of feeds a lot of the southeast. Um, I don't have all of the details. Like, I can't remember exactly. Like, Florida has their own thing, but we kind of, I, I, I don't want to start saying something and I don't know what I'm talking about. So, I got you. I got yeah. I put you on the spot there. But, Sorry about but, that. But, you know, it's been, a, it's a still a right to work state. So people here can work union and non union without having to join the union. So, if we weren't a right to work state, we'd probably be a larger market because of the amount of work here and the amount of people that have moved here, which has brought us from a small market to a mid-sized market um, within a, a short amount of time. So um, a lot of people are moving here and um, hopefully we can get more membership um, and people understand the value of membership. I'm sure. Is there a brief uh, strike update you could give us? Uh, I'll, I'll leave that to whatever's been posted officially by SAG after national, right? Sounds good. As of right now, um, we are set to go back to the table negotiating on October the 2nd. And that is all I know. All right. That's exciting. Fingers crossed for some, uh, for some progress yes, and some yes, work. Yes, yes, yes. Cause my husband works in the industry too. And, um, so he's been out of work too, right? Yeah, that's tough when it's double double hurting. Yeah, a uh, household like that. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, so last time we spoke, we also we mentioned a gentleman's name, uh, and he recently passed away. And I was hoping you would just tell us a little bit about Tommy Futch and what he meant to Atlanta <sighs> and to yourself. Tommy uh, a, is the beginning of my career here in Atlanta. Um, when I first. Um, you know, I, I'd acted from childhood and then I got my degree in theater. And then when I got out of college, I kind of was in limbo and took an acting class at the Alliance and met Pat Brown, who's a stand-up comedian. And she was like, why don't you take this improv class with me? And so I took the class. That's when I met Tommy Fudge. It was like the six-week intro class. And then I took it again because I liked it so much. 
And then Tommy was just like, let me have you rehearse, come in and rehearse. So I started working with Blacktop, which was an improv troupe of all like stand-up comedians. And then I was kind of working with them. And he was like, well, you're kind of different because I'm not really a stand-up comic. So that's how I started working with Laughing Matters and doing corporate shows and murder mysteries and all of those things, all those gigs with Tommy. And then after that, I can I ended up at Whole World where I met you, um, you know, um, taking classes at Whole World. But throughout the years, and this is a good 25 years, I'd say, um, Tommy, Tommy has been the beginning of so many people's careers here in Atlanta. And it is such an incredible loss to the community and um, just someone who's always focused on keeping it clean, keeping it positive. Um, always had jobs for people. See, that's people don't understand that in this business, that when you have jobs for people consistently, that means a lot in this business. And to be on people's list of working, it's it's a big thing. So it's it's a major, major loss for our community. It really is. He his he left just quite a legacy, and I think you're absolutely right. You are are one of among many uh, actors who he helped to support, inspire, uh, mentor, uh, create opportunities for. Um, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna miss definitely, him definitely. 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 Uh, last time we spoke again, oh, that's maybe the last time I say that. It may not be. <laughs> Uh, life looked different. Yes, pre-pandemic. Uh, pre-pandemic. <laughs> well, no, it was. was it? We were. I think we were pandemic. Oh, because we we no, sat outside. We yeah, because I have cats, and you're outside. allergic to cats too. Oh, right, 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 right. I don't even know if I'm uh, still allergic to cats, but I'm just not taking any chances. Why risk days, <laughs> weeks of my life recovering from cats? Right. Uh, that's right. We already we've already been over allergies. We both suffer from those. So why why add something else to uh, that? You know. Uh, but life looked a lot different. You are now officially an empty nester. Yes. And uh, I was hoping you would talk a little bit about that. You know, we're we're not gonna you know because of the strike, we're not gonna talk about your TV shows right. and things like that. We're gonna respect that. But I do want to talk about kind of where you are in life as an artist, as an actor. How, first of all, how does it feel? Because I know this is pretty new. Uh, tell me about it a little bit. Well, my son did go to boarding school, so it's not our, we're kind of used to him not being here, but by the same token in the preparation for him graduating from high school and then going to college, it was a, this is when I left home and never came back when I went to college, like high school, they're still like, well, he's still in high school, but now he's like a full grown 18 year old registered to vote, got his driver's license adult. And I'm feeling some kind of way about that. And I mean, um, I also just went home for my high school reunion. So it was like the same time that I left for Atlanta was when I graduated high school and, um, from Philly and, um, and came to Atlanta. So I keep talking to my son where I'm just like, but this is like, it. he's like, I'm gonna be home. I'm like, no, the same way. it's different he was like i'll come home for thanksgiving do you know the first time i didn't come home for thanksgiving sophomore year sophomore year (laughs) so i don't know but he's he's in school he's um 
studying to be a filmmaker. He's enjoying it so far. He just got elected to class uh, committee, like to school committee and everything. So um, outstanding, taking over, yes. taking, taking, taking after mom. He is like mom and like my mom and my sisters. Like we're always very involved in things. And you know, my dad was a union leader, and my mom, my sisters have always been involved in their sororities and the church. And you know, I come from a very active family. <laughs> I hear that. Uh, so th- this is a time I would imagine my son is a junior and I am already kind of thinking about what that is. I know, right? They just keep getting older. Uh, kind of ref- already like prematurely reflecting on, okay, this is a different stage of my life. What do I want out of my art? Are you are you reassessing like that as well? Yes. And all of this has kind of been a three-year process because I've also talked about how like um, I turned 50 in 2020. So during the pandemic, I thought I was going to have a big old blowout and party. And it turned out that no, it was me, my husband, my friend whose birthday is the day before mine, um, her man, and our mutual friend. It was the five of us and we were planning on having a blowout because I am... Allele and we do things, we are way too much always. So, um, it's this combination of turning 50, which I've realized I, I talk about. I don't know, you know, I did those reviews and everything for TV, and I had mm-hmm. to stop because of the strike, I couldn't do them anymore. But, you know, when I watch TV shows, it's because something connects with me, right? And sometimes it might be like, I love comedy, so I'm going to watch comedies and everything. But sometimes it's like, I need that black humor. Sometimes I need that, um, you know, woman thing. Sometimes I need that mom thing. And what I've really been connecting to universally is the woman over 50 thing. And there is this universal thing. Like, it doesn't even matter if you have kids or not, if you've been married or not, if you divorce you together, where you are in the world, what you do, we all have the same things that are going on and we're same dealing with. So there is this thing that happens where you're like, well, what do I want? You know, women are used to doing everything for everyone else. And then when you get to the stage, your kids are grown. They don't need you as much. You might've hit a certain place at your job. You might've done things where you're like, well, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Like, what do I want now? What do do I want? What do I want to do? And I don't really care what anyone thinks about it. I don't care if it seems right or whatever. I just want to do what I want to do. Cause one, I've been going out of way, my way to take care of everyone else. And even though people love me, like, you know, your kids aren't really doing what, you know, it, people aren't giving in to moms the way moms give in to everyone else. And, <laughs> and we can't blame anyone for that. I think that's just how a lot of times we're generally wired, but it's also this thing of, I don't know how much longer I have. You know what I mean? Like, like the, 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 the front view is decidedly shorter than in the rear view at this point in life. And yeah. what quality of life do I want? I don't know what is going to befell me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, uh, in the coming years, health wise. So yeah. it's this urgency of what do I need to do right now? to be happy. And so how, so how do you, how do you figure that out? Uh, Is that something you, a lot of meditating and incense burning and sage burning. You know, it's everyone goes about it a different kind of way. And even when you meditate on it, you don't, you still don't know. There's things that 
made you happy at a certain point. And I'll say also it, 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 it all worked with me turning 50 in the pandemic and then coming into this strike where it's like what I've been pursuing in this industry, you know, the things that I thought I wanted have come true, but not in the way that I thought And not the way that I thought it would turn my life around. You know what I mean? I'm working on big shows, but my life is pretty much the same. I'm not unboxing gifts from uh, Rihanna or, you know what I mean? Uh, Getting getting free boxes of stuff. And I'm still working on my, my followship on Instagram. But it's like, is the hustle of this industry, is it fulfilling? You know, so... Improv used to be fulfilling for me, but once I started doing t- TV and film more, I didn't really do improv anymore. So it's like, okay, well, this is being fulfilled, but it doesn't feel great the way I thought it was. So what is it that makes me feel great? And does it have to do with credits? Does it have to do with, you know, what is it? I just want to travel. I just want, you know, what are the things in life that I want? And it is a constant do I have the money to do this? Do I have the time? Do I have the energy? <laughs> right? You know what I mean? That, right. Yeah. All of that. <laughs> and sometimes what has been hard is that through these years that voo, 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 like he was four and now what? He's 18. Like what, what are you talking about? Like through that time, your focus is so off of yourself and you're a different person at the end of this journey that you don't even know. Like sometimes like, it's like, I've really felt, I was like, do I just not even know what makes me happy? Do, do I not even know? Cause I can't do improv the way I did back when we were doing improv. Like that's not of interest to me at 53 versus 33, you know, what I mean? right. before I had a child, <laughs> like, you know, at 32, you know what I mean? It, it's Come different... on, Karen, let's get back up. Let's get back on there together. Right. I'm, I'm, you know. <laughs> all night long uh, with the same right. people for all weekends and take classes together with the same people. Like, no, I'm good, man. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> right? yeah. There is this uh, YouTube thing, and it, they're probably gigantic. And I, you know, and I'm so I would. I'm not even going to say their name, but Hank watches them sometimes, and it reminds me so much of us in our 20s uh, on stage. They're doing it on video, but they're doing the same kind of things. You can tell, like the rapport between the actors is the same. The end jokes. I'm sure they're all sleeping with each other. I'm sure, like it's just crazy. <laughs> Uh, but it, it reminds me so much and it makes me feel so old. Well, what <laughs> makes me feel old is how far away from where we are in social media. Like when I went home, I met up with one of um, like two of my Spelman sisters and everything. And, um, one of, um, one of whom, <laughs> one of whom we actually went to high school and college together and the other of whom we were drama majors together. And so we were just like, what would we have been doing in the drama department if we had social media? Like what type of stuff would we have been doing? What pictures? We would have had thousands of pictures. I don't have any pictures of like, no, who was taking pictures in class? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, what, you know, um, also when I was doing like all my sketches and characters and all this stuff, there was no YouTube, there was no anything. And now I'm like, wow, what could I have done? Now I'm just exhausted. And there's just so much noise now that it's like, 
I yeah, guess it's, I don't even have the energy. Right? That's, <laughs> and that's perfectly understandable. Like I, I get that. I get that 100%. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what advice have you given uh, Ronald about the industry? And is he, as he kind of starts his studying process? I mean, I know he's already done stuff. He's done films and things like that in high school. But, you know, this feels like a different stage. What, uh, what, how, how do you talk to him about that? Mainly, he knows, he's seen the sausage being made. So he's not, he doesn't have visions of grandeur. Even though he is a Capricorn and they do, they are very goal oriented. But he also knows that his journey will be slightly easier because, I mean, technically he's a Nepo baby. Like, I can get him on sets. I could, you know, I mean, I didn't have any money for college and I told him that and he got a full ride. But it's like, I'll get you on set. Like, you know, <laughs> like, thank yeah. God it didn't work out that way because we were on strike the whole time, right? But, yeah. um, you know, he also, there's ways, things that I tell him things to do that I have a class on it also that I teach, but it's like things you can do to put yourself ahead of other people to in what is available to you now. You know what I mean? Like there's ways that, especially when you're young, when you're young, people go out of their way to want to help you. If you're in high school, college, um, people go out of their way to want to help you. And if you seem like you're a kid that's hustling, people will do whatever it takes. Once you're like 25, 26, 27, then you know, mm, you on your <laughs> own. You you out here in this shark infested world like the rest of us. But he has definitely done certain things and made certain connections that because I'm in the industry, I've been able to advise him on. Um, and also, was that part of what he, no, was that part of him looking at, I forgot what college he's going to, but is that, do they have a strong film program? Is that part of the very small, strong film program, but he got in there. I wasn't involved in that look at all. That was the one college I didn't visit at all with him that he was going to apply to. He went early decision when we dropped him off. That was my first time there. So, but they have a very good film program and you know, it worked out that way. But I was also very open with him where I'm like, I don't have any money to send you and I'm not taking out a loan. Like, I'm not doing that. So you're on your own. You don't need college the way you used to. Now, I mean, the colleges cost $85,000 a year. Like, Yeah, it's insane. A year. So it's like, I'm not doing that. And not to be a filmmaker, you don't need that. Like, I believe college, okay, for certain careers, yes, doctors, engineers, lawyers, you know, certain people you want them to have (laughs) college training. But for the rest of us, you got people with PhDs at Starbucks right now. So, and they're in debt. So I've definitely had to rethink. I think there's so much pressure on kids to still go to college. The same type of pressure that was on Gen X. To like, you got to go to college. Now we're parents and there's still this mindset of you got to go to college. And I'm seeing so many different kids that are struggling. And then you're talking about these kids that are coming out of the pandemic where that messed up their schooling and they're, they're learning in such a way that it's like, maybe they're not ready to go to college. Maybe college is not a big thing. And at 85,000 a year, maybe we need to make sure these kids want to go to college full heartedly before we start investing. And when they're there, uh, able to use it and 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 enjoy it, and 
have a positive experience because I think you're absolutely right. I think some are just aren't going to be ready. You know, even if college is a good idea for them, they still might need a year or two just to kind of complete the social development that, you know, the pandemic kind of robbed them of. I mean, this, and then you look at the kids that are seniors in college now, those are the ones that got the brunt of it because they were the seniors in 2020 who lost their senior year and their freshman year, you know? So it's just, there's such the same pressure that is existing on these kids. And I, and my kid, we have been fortunate and I know we have been incredibly fortunate that he is just really self-driven and self-motivated. And even though we've tried to do everything that we can to make whatever he wants to do available within our budget, you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, Sure. Oh, yeah. uh, And encourage him in any kind of way. He did come out motivated in a way that other kids are not. And we have to really be aware of where our kids are in this process. And I, I couldn't be confused about forcing him to go because I, I wasn't going to make that investment and him not be sure. You know what I mean? So. Right. Tell me about this class you mentioned. I, I've, I think I've seen a posting about it, but I really don't know much about it. Okay. So the class is called Make a Name for Yourself, Getting More Than Your Foot in the Door. And so what it is, is I've been in Atlanta working in this environment, I'd say a good... 20 to 25 years in different ways, serving on boards, sitting on panels, teaching classes. You know, I've, I'm pretty well known in the industry here by industry people here. And oh, yeah. a lot of times people are like, well, how are you always moderating? And how are you, how did you teach this class? Or how, well, they called me, you know what I mean? Because people know me and I've established a presence. So people contact me. So it's like, how do you get to be that person that people one know what you want and two trust you with opportunities and are thinking of ways to help you. And that's what we want to set up is that everything in this industry, it's not who you know is who knows you and who believes in you and who wants to help you. And you have to put yourself in a way that you know, I'm here. You know what I mean? I've never been a person that has been shy about being like, well, I can do this and I can do that. Whereas a lot of women are kind of socialized to be, well, they'll see if I'm doing that. Whereas men are socialized to be like, no, I'm doing this. You know what I mean? And so then there's introverted people in an extroverted industry. Um, So we talk about identifying who you are, what you want, ultimately, where you are in your journey. And what you already bring to the table, because a lot of times it's your transferable skills that will put you ahead of other people. Um, I use myself as an example. Um, I, after I got out of college and I was confused, I partied hard, but I also worked in the audiovisual industry. You know what I mean? I, I was a theater person in college, so I was waiting tables and then found out about audiovisual in um, hotels and everything, the people that set up the uh, equipment. And I'd come from stage managing. I'd come from doing lights and sound in high school. So it was a transferable skill. A friend of mine, Leanne, she was working with women in film and she was like, we need someone to set up for our, 
our meetings. So I started setting up for their meetings. Fast forward to how many ever years later, 25, 26, um, (laughs) I've served on their board. I've done the, um, I was the co-chair of the 40th uh, anniversary and we'll be working on the upcoming 50th anniversary next year. Um, and those have been the seeds of pretty much anybody else I know through the Atlanta film festival, through GPP, through, you know what I mean? Through film impact, Georgia, through arts ATL, through whatever organizations through SAG after, (laughs) um, how I've known everyone has started with women in film in some kind of way. And these are just my friendships as well. Um, So that is what we talk about is where are you in your journey? Where are you trying to get to? And what are you always already bringing to the table that can put you ahead of other people? Is this a small group class? Is this one-on-one? Is this online? It it has been, um, I've taught it through Atlanta film society and I taught, well, I taught a mini, some other mini classes through women in film, um, that were acting classes, like business of acting classes. But this has been like, um, I've kind of taught it for people. So I'm teaching another one coming up for Atlanta film Festival for another festival. I can't remember. It's on my calendar, but again, it's people contacting me because they know me, you know, um, but the artist in me who's taking off during the strike did not really promote this like I was supposed to. So that's why, like, it's one of those classes where I'm like, this is something that is going to be like awesome. And I think it's a great class, but I do need to, you know, I'm still an artist. So I'll be like, well, I'll get to it tomorrow. I just need to post I a understand. reel. <laughs> I need to do my reel on Instagram. We'll link to it in the show notes and uh, try to send out an email or something about it. Cause it sounds it sounds like the kind of thing that I wish I had when in in my twenties. Now I feel like I could go back and make several key decisions and key uh, additions to my kind of daily behavior that would have helped me a ton. Yeah, back then. Well, and it's not just for young people, even though it's kind of really good for like, especially college students and stuff. It's also for people who are transferring because, like, we were talking about once you get to your fifties or you get to a certain. There's a lot of people who were in corporate the corporate world or in teaching or in certain industries that want to get involved in the film industry or want to get involved in different industries. And it's like, okay, well you're starting from the scratch, but not really because you've had a lifetime of experience. So how do we find that lifetime of experience and transition it to where you want to be that you're not really starting with 20 somethings? Cause that's a whole different thing is being the only 50 something or 60 something in the class. 20 something. So you're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That makes sense to me. You know what I mean? So it's, it's everybody who wants to try something new and, and see how to move forward. I like mm-hmm. it. Uh, all right, let's take a two second break. And when we come back, we will talk about this new art for me. Hey, everyone, just wanted to let you know that we're about to begin our discussion of Wild Seed by Octavia Butler. There will be lots of spoilers for that and for the Patternist series. Uh, I believe just a little bit of those. Uh, I do not feel spoiled. I have not read the rest of those books, though I am going to. So uh, if you have not read Wild Seed by Octavia Butler and would like to do so without uh, this conversation, in your head, uh, please pause and uh, grab the book. It's a quick read. It is a good read. Uh, it's definitely worth your time. I enjoyed it a lot. And I hope you read it and enjoy it as well. And I also hope you enjoy the rest of our conversation. All right, spoilers ahead. Wild Seed. 
let's uh let's talk about Wild Seed by Octavia <laughs> Butler, the book you introduced me to, and I just want to say thank you for doing that. And I want to know when did this book and when did Miss Butler come into your life? Okay, so the Octavia Butler, I did not really discover until I think my twenties. And Fledgling was the first book I read, which was one of her later works. I think it was her last work and it was kind of different, but it's not really vampires, but they're like vampire adjacent or whatever. A lot of her work deals with like symbiotic relationships, whether it be alien life form, whether it be this vampiric, (laughs) whatever. Um, And then after that, I read Kindred and Kindred was another one that was slightly different, but you know, Hulu just did um, uh, uh, a series based on it and then it got canceled. Um, And watching Kindred as a jaded middle-aged woman (laughs) versus reading Kindred as a bright-eyed 20-something who thought I was going to play Dana. And now I'd be like, well, I'd be auntie at best now. But um, that's around the time, like in my 20s is when I first read Wild Seed. So I went through a stage where I'd read one book and I was like, oh my God. So I just kept reading more and more books. And then one of my Spelman sisters was just like, yeah, she was on campus back in the day. I was like, she came on campus? Of course she came on Spelman's campus. Of course. Right. Yeah, right? Of, course <laughs> of course she came to Spelman, right? But um, yeah. so I just fell in love with her work and read everything. But Wild Seed was my favorite. And I wanted to see it. But at the time in the 90s, it was really like Hollywood would never. Hollywood would never. <sighs> do this and now viola davis is developing (laughs) did you watch the the, uh, i know we're not talking about kindred today but did you watch the series yes now did it did it follow the book closely it it followed it but there were a couple really updates that i did like some changes that they made for it which put such a great cliffhanger on it and then when it got canceled it was like but I hadn't heard that it got canceled. That sucks. So I have been, it's been since before the pandemic, but I really cannot emotionally take slavery stuff, civil rights stuff, um, black boys being abused by the police stuff. Like I just, I, I can't emotionally handle it anymore. So there's a lot of things that I just haven't seen. Had I not read the book, I wouldn't even have watched it. I thought we were going to burn through this, and it took forever to get through it. Because after every episode, I was like, <laughs> "Like it was like, yeah, it was just too intense." And a lot. emotionally, right now, I just cannot take the tension of it. coupled with book bannings and denials of slavery being a horrible thing. And it's just, I'm just opting out. I'm just opting out of all of it. (laughs) I'm just opting out of it. That's my self care. (laughs) That's my self care. I, I, I'm glad you're doing it. I I completely get that. Uh, had did you read after reading Bad Seed? Because Bad Seed's Wild Seed, bad. I've called it that all the fucking right, time. Now, Bad Seed was my movie back in the day. Seed. No, 
I've said that a thousand times. Peggy's like, what book are you reading? Bad Seed. You like that like, movie no, with old girls? You're not reading you call it. I'm like, Exactly. Wild Seed. Yes. So Wild Seed, is, it's part of a series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It came out in 1980. Yeah. And it is basically the prequel in the Patternist series that she has. Yes. yes. Have you, uh, did you... Did you read that Wild Seed first, or had you read some of the series uh, already? I had read a bunch of things out of order because it was what was available at the library at the time. Remember those libraries? I do. I go to one a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to, like, (laughs) take books out. Like, yeah. So um, I read it during that time. So I, And it's been so long. Like, I had to reread. Like, I had to go back online and be like, okay. Oh, yeah, that happened. (laughs) I'm sure. Right, 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 right. Um, I just loved the time span of it. I loved the the fact that these were African souls and African spirits that could transition into anything throughout history. Um, Again, a black woman being a healer and the protagonist. Again, Hollywood would never. (laughs) (laughs) Hollywood would never. Just true. And now Hollywood is because we have the power of someone like Viola Davis, um, who would be perfect for the protagonist, uh, Anyanwu. Yeah, and Yan Wu. Uh-huh. Um, I almost got the audio book just to make sure I didn't mess up, but right. I, just, I saw enough videos online that I'm like, we're going to go with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I always imagine Jimon Hansu as Doro. Mm. Oh, golly, he'd be great. Always ima- like his voice, because that was the thing. And they said his voice was always what carried. Like it was something about his voice and his energy that carried throughout how she always could recognize him and everything. And so, um, and see, here's another one back to our other point that we were talking about. He's another one that's just like, I'm struggling. And we're like, what? You're struggling? And he's like, I'm struggling. I should be working on these kind of roles, but I'm not. See, everybody, just completely where you are, everyone should. You're absolutely, you absolutely something right. Something else, right? Well, I don't want to like, contradict what we just said we're saying about self-care and all that and about dealing with slavery and the legacy of that. But I, I think what she does in here in telling the story and like it's never, it's never diatribe, it's never uh, preaching. It is just this is the state of the world and this is the, what we live in. And... Uh, these are the horrors that are going on. Uh, she, but you mentioned the the times, and I think that's such a huge factor because if you were going to, I would think pick like three different critical times in like the history of slavery. The, this is it. This right. is it. You know, we're at the beginning of the the trade in Africa. We are pre uh, revolutionary America, and then we are pre Civil War. And I just what a brilliant friggin' choice to pick those three times. And again, it's um, the conversation, especially that has really developed in a hashtag black lives matter moment. Cause I'm, I'm kind of, even with that, I'm like, what does that even mean anymore? Because uh, I have had challenges with the liberal white community, liberal white women specifically. And they're, coming of racial understanding and not 
seeing where they've been part of the problem and part of what has been difficult for us to move forward has been enablers of the patriarchy. And with this, what Octavia Butler always really has done with making these work, because the parables, oh my God, those are rough. Parables, talents and parables. So, oh my God, those are rough to get through. But it's always like black women have always just had to deal with it while white women have been protected from it. And again, enablers of what holds us back. So with this conversation of how Nyamu just kind of, this is the life and this is what I got to do and I got to just keep going. And this is like you say, this is what exists and this is how I deal with it. Whereas that is what black women have been doing all along. And we have had the brunt of the white patriarchy from racial, you know, the race side, race and ethnicity and from gender. And what do they call it? Intersectionality. (laughs) That is exactly how they say it too. (laughs) Uh, See, I like to spell it. (laughs) But um, it's really, that is part of the thing where I keep saying I have to opt out of things because there's been so many times through history that I've tried to have these conversations with people and the defensiveness is so exhausting. And so now with people feeling that they're kind of further along than they really are, there's still a certain level of defensiveness. And as I said before, I'm a Leo. So I will go off on somebody if, you know, I'm a 53 year old Leo. So from Philly. So if someone's coming at me wrong, like I don't even (laughs) care about your feelings. Like I don't care if you, I will try, but if you coming at me wrong, I'm just going to revel in the going off on you. Like you just a little toddler Mm -hmm rolling into a fire like somebody get that baby somebody get that baby that baby about to be burnt up right you know what i mean because it's just i've lived a lifetime of understanding it and people have lived two years just being like oh what this new thing at the same time (laughs) happy they're finally realizing something but you know, but. I leave it to my son's <laughs> generation. Like when the pandemic happened, he was, you know, on class committee and um went to a boarding school. So he was with a lot of the, you know, kids that were privileged. Um mm-hmm. and it was really I was like, Well, this is an opportunity for you to people are listening now. So what do you want to say? You know, because how he sees things is different from how I see things. I'm jaded. And I know that. And that was one of those things where I had to start watching what I was saying around him because I was so jaded. And especially during the pandemic with the marches and all this. And I was like, and, and, and all the white women hitting me up in my DMs, like, I'm so sorry for your experience. I'm like, my life is fine. Thank you. Like, um, you know, I I, I grew up privileged. I'm fine. I'm not sitting around crying. Like, it's not like you're thinking. I was so jaded. And so I had to really watch how I was talking around him and try to be back to encouraging him to make a change and see how he can be a part of the progress. And he did. He started an organization that has gone on after now he's gone and, and done well and has members. And so that's what I'm doing for the next gen. (laughs) That's cool. That's very, very cool. So I, I think, I think that choice of having those three different time periods, those three select stories was incredibly wonderful and effective. And I, 
I don't even have a favorite. I like them all kind of the same. Uh, it's also basically a love story at the same time. Um, how do you feel about their relationship? A toxic relationship as it was. It was quite the toxic relationship. I was watching this, this one girl, young girl. I think she's like Gen Z probably, but um, Black Emily Dickinson. And she was talking about, she was just like, just like any other woman in her, you know, sister in her flyness. And then here comes some fuck boy coming around like, I'm going to change your life. I'm going to do this. <laughs> right? And and that's exactly what it is. And you kind of fall for the glow. But then it's like, it's really toxic. And until she says, look, okay, you cannot have me like that anymore. You cannot do this. That's when she gained her power. But it was like centuries of dealing with this toxic relationship, um, dude. So, yeah, well, she, it was a toxic relationship with a strong black woman and with some dude she should have been with. But, you know, he was sexy. She so. basically had to... <laughs> Uh, basically had to kill herself in order to get kind of on an equal footing mm -hmm. in the relationship. Yeah, yeah. Yet at the same time, I am rooting for them. Right. I was not rooting like for I them. Like I want... I was not rooting oh, that's for interesting. No, I was rooting for her. Yeah. And I was rooting for him to get God. I think I bought into, I guess it was uh, his son or her husband. Is it Isaac? Isaac? Mm -hmm. Is it Isaac? I, I, he... Like, I bought his argument immediately. Like, hey, he's immortal. Hey, you're immortal. <laughs> you know, like, that's that's the only way either one of you are going to be happy because the rest of us humans are just going to die. Um, but he and was I stealing felt her like, joy. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I love, I, I honestly, I love the roller coaster of their relationship. I was shocked when she went with him at first. Like, I just did. I honestly, I didn't. Sorry, my thoughts are a little muddied on this. When I first read the back of the book uh -huh. and it talked about these immortal beings, and the first thing I said is, "How is she going to pull this off?" Because that is that is something I I dislike in a, a lot of stories. And when you have somebody who is supremely powerful, and then you have somebody else who's not, like I, I feel like in uh, certainly like in the Marvel movies or comic books or like in other kind of things like this, like they don't can't really coexist like that. And so I was wondering, how are, how are these two beings going to actually interact with us normal human beings? And the question is, that they really don't. Only a, a little bit in the first section, uh, you know, when they're going, doing the Middle Passage thing, there's some, you know, kind of normal humans. And, but then they're really isolated in the uh, upstate New York kind of conclave. And then they're isolated in, I think it's Louisiana or Mississippi. I don't even remember. Uh, yeah, me neither. Been, one of the one of those two. I wasn't it's even a somewhere... mom when I read that. Like I was still in the clubs, I was still hitting yeah, yeah, the yeah. streets when I read that. Deep South. <laughs> right. Deep South. So I, I, um, I was wondering how she was going to pull that off, and that the, how she pulled it off was like not pulling it off at all. Like you didn't, we didn't, and we don't need to. That's not the story. That's not the story she's telling. It's so funny you say Marvel because I always think of Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, like the first time they got together, <laughs> like. Like, that's nice. what it was like it's this attraction of i always thought jessica jones and luke cage well, she was like oh i could do what i want to do i've been holding back for so long because they couldn't handle right, me right, right. and now exactly. i have a brother that can handle me right <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome that's exactly what i thought um but again it's not 
a positive place for this woman. It's not a good place for her. It's only a good place for him. And he just wants to control her. And until she she is able to control her own destiny and make decisions for herself, it is not a relationship. It's, it's all toxic. How do you feel about his his overall mission? Because Doro's plan is to kind of create a world of beings like him, uh, like Anyanyu, and basically doing eugenics. Mm-hmm. And like, what as far as that, as far as an overall mission, how did, did you respond to that, reject that? How did you feel when you were first reading it, if you remember, or how do you think about it now? Well, it just reminds me of slavery and them trying to breed the strongest Negroes. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So that is the feeling I have. Is that what, you know, and then on the backdrop of slavery, it's like, so to me, it's just a breeding and it's a, another means of control and another way that the, the patriarchy plays out. You know what I mean? It's it, That's how I saw it. I see him as complete negative energy. And she, he is the bad to her good. The, I don't know which one is yin and yang. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I think they're supposed I don't know to be either. both good and bad. But I, I definitely, if there's the God and the devil, I see her as the God and him as the devil. You know, yeah. um, that's how I see him. Where do you think? So, where do you think she at the end of the book? Where Where is she uh, emotionally? Where does she end up? Given given that are you are you disappointed in her that she's seems to have come to this final kind of accord and relationship with him and i do love i think there's love there it seems like there is um even if it might be a fucked up love on his part until the end and maybe not and maybe maybe it is not maybe it is no longer fucked up by the end maybe that crying and all that the kind of emotional scene at the end um in the when they're in their bed together and he you know she I loved the phrase like like you know he woke up and her breast was breast was still warm and she was still alive mm-hmm. you know and didn't expect that. Uh, like where do you, how do you feel about her? It's funny because all right I'm not supposed to be talking about shows but I'm going to talk about it cuz it's after the fact but since I'm watching I've been watching an interview with the vampire the TV show right? Oh. And have you watched it at all the TV show? Mm-mm, I read the book. I read the book or of course the movie um this Lestat, like I definitely love this version better than the movie. And this Lestat to me is so far beyond what Tom Cruise brought to the screen. There were a number of things going into why, but but one of the main things is they get to push the real love story between Louis and Lestat. But it's the same thing. Lestat was a crazy person, well, a crazy being, who didn't really know love. He only knew control and domination. And he would come back after, you know, destroying people and and hurting and injuring and be like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, it's a domestic abuse situation. So however it is, I don't see any, like, I have no, like, together like you know what I mean no Carrie and Big finally got married like I didn't have any of that at all for this and being it being so long ago and me not remembering details about it 
I just remember, right. didn't she turn into a bird and fly away off the ship or something like that? Like that's how she got away from him the first time or something. I, yeah, no. Well, after after Isaac dies, right. uh, she says, "Let's have a funeral for him." And while they're setting up and doing the funeral, yeah, she turns the bird and flies away because he can't follow her while she's in animal right. form. She can't. He can't sense her like he senses. Yeah, like he sensed her at the beginning of the book. Yeah, and if you got to turn into a bird and literally fly <laughs> away from a dude to get away from, is that a red flag? That, that <laughs> that's a red. <laughs> that's a burning yeah. flaming red flag right? <laughs> like that so yeah. so for me it's just an example of it doesn't matter how dope this dude seems to be is he with you though is he making you feel good about yourself is he is he lifting you up because if no if it's all about him yeah. it's a narcissist right it's just yeah. another domestic violent situation with a narcissist and certainly even in the beginning, even when he was doing things for her, he was really doing things for himself because of her power and wanting to breed her and have more people like her. That but I, I feel like I feel like that changes a little, a little bit. Um, I know they tried to kind of soften him up a little bit. There's there's one flashback where uh, he takes her to to the the white drunk guy that I can't remember his name. And I don't even remember uh, the scene. So. <laughs> so, so yeah. So this is the deal. So this is it was weird. This took place after they're in United States, um, or after they're over here. I can't remember the timing if it's actually United States yet or not. Uh, and he ba- he's basically punishing her and saying you have to mate with this old white drunk guy. Mm-hmm. And instead of her act reacting like he thinks he's going to and making a punishment again this guy stinks he's terrible does fleas it's she she's love like she sees she's a healer and she is actually able to heal him and like gets through that exterior and then when doro comes like this guy actually you know basically says like don't kill her kill me and then he does kind of right in front of her Mm -hmm. um i don't remember i was going with that but because yeah, no, that was one of the that was like the kind of the semi the, that, that's the one flashback mm-hmm. that she did, and then she tells the story of when Doro first got his power and he transitioned, and ended up killing his parents, and I thought that was an attempt of, you know, hurt people hurt people, you know, uh, that's true. It's not an excuse, but I think she included that. <laughs> you're looking at me like you're full of shit. You look, I'm um, like, <laughs> but so why do you you're think not she getting included it from me? Because but that, why do you think she included because of that or is there another is there something I'm I mean missing? that's probably why she um she kept falling for it but her people her people and her no, I meant the author I meant the author oh the author the author like why did why did why did Octavia include I mean because like or is there other things that I'm missing everyone yeah. has okay. some type of and again I keep going back to Lestat yeah he told a really bad bad story but that backstory but that doesn't make it better for when he just be eating people and throw them in the trash, like throw them in a the dumpster. Like, and they're like, ah, right. Like, you know, that doesn't change it for that person that just got yeah. gobbled down and is still partially alive. And the one yeah. he ate, the tenor that he ate because dude was off key. Like, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make it better. Cause he had a bad, you know, origin story, you know? So it's what you do yeah. with it. You know, there's plenty of people who have had terrible lives and now make terrible choices as a, as a result of it. But that's not an excuse for yeah. being a terrible person. Uh, 
she makes an interesting choice, Octavia, uh, with it's it's third person omniscient for the most part. I, I think all the way through, mm-hmm. actually, which you know you don't really. I mean, this was written in 1980. You know, obviously trends kind of change. So you definitely, I mean, it's throughout, but like, I thought that was an interesting choice as well. And she will switch to kind of, I feel like most of the novels now we see are like third person close or first person, you know, meaning that basically we're just following whoever's person. Mm-hmm. If, if it's Michael on the chapter, it's all my point of view. She switches kind of back and forth mid chapters on giving their thoughts behind it, uh, which I thought that was a kind of a cool choice. Uh, did you like that too? Well, I like that. I don't remember. Right? That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. That's no words. We're talking decades here, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And um, I can barely remember what I watched last week. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I will. I will say that I thought that was a really effective choice, and that to me is some of the best uh, scene work. As I'm trying to to write, I was able like there's there's a couple of chapters kind of back to back where it just feels like perfect. It's perfect dialogue to description, to inner thoughts, to ramifications, to then kind of moving on to the next scene. What Uh, I do love about Octavia Butler's writing is that I'm always emotionally, like I feel like I'm in the scene, but I feel I do like, I mean, I guess that's what the writer is supposed to make you feel like you're in that scene and you're observing what's going on, like a person that's there or whatever. But she has such um, a technical skill, like, you know, with her um, science fiction or whatever, you know, writing and everything, it's just, it's such a technical aspect of verbiage and imagery and understanding is incredible. who is speaking and who is leading this um, moment. Um, and I, I would definitely suggest fledgling also, right? Okay. Fledgling. Yeah, I mean, but I loved Octavia. Blatt. Now again, the parables, because those are other ones that are very like they switch person um, through and oh, they're yeah. a series that like switch person as far as who's I I want to like reread it but it was so rough to get through like I like skip Yeah, no that it doesn't was, sound like the right time for that. It, it was very um you know apocalyptic in thought and yet so many of the themes are what's going on. It's always like evangelistic type of movement um and this is before it even looked like Roe v. Wade was going to be overturned but it's always like this religious fervor takes over and gets political control. And that's what happens through these parables um, and where people end up, you know, the same as like with Handmaid's Tale or something, this like the apocalyptic future is this, you know, the haves and have nots to the extent, which we're really on the verge of going to given. um, I mean, that's why everyone's on strike right now really like why so many industries is because it's this have and have nots and the growing and then the desperation of the people down here and the complete they're not connected to these people at all they have no feelings these people up here have no feelings for these people here they just see dollar signs you know what i mean And, and and completely so it's her commentary was right on point Regarding the future. I wonder what her view and relationship to, given 
the parable series using that that you know specific word and then using uh Canaan and using uh Lot in Wild Seed I wonder what her her relationship with Christianity is. I know because Doro says he's like, "Oh, so you're raising them Christian," and she's like, "Well, this is what they kind of believe." Right. And I lo- I kind of love that as an indictment of, you know, this Christian nation of ours that has you know just done horrible things in the name of Christianity. Right. And I so I, I so I, I don't know what her relationship is, but I suspect it's it's interesting and complicated. <laughs> I mean, I think it's probably what you just said. It's a certain acceptance of this is the way it functions here. And this is how we have to function within. Again, for survival, right? You know what I mean? You have to, I don't think, well, things are changing, but as they're trying to get back to where religion controls personhood in America, (laughs) in America, um, but it, it is very, I mean, like, I don't even know what to say. Like, it, it's just, people need to wake up, start voting, <laughs> you know what I mean? Stop complaining, stop retweeting and just be re-registering and getting out to vote because things are getting overturned. And then I talked to, like, I think like we're Gen X, so we're kind of the last of the analog generations like last of generations that grew up analog and saw like for me again when I talk about when I read Octavia Butler initially it was a different world of the concept of black women being the stars of shows or the you know it just it was unheard of maybe you have a couple black shows we had certain times when we had you know in the 70s and in the 90s where we had black shows you know living single what's happening you know things like that but how things are now when you have a Viola Davis, a Kerry Washington, a Gabrielle Union, you know, where you have black women that can lead series and uh, Issa Rae's and things like that. Looking back on what was possible or how the world functioned back when these things were written, there's a whole society that's trying to push back to getting back to that. So we're back to that. And we've been pushing to get out of that. And that is, again, not just gender-wise, race-wise, gender identification, uh, you know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, all of it is people pushing back on this theme that when these books were written, that is the world we had to exist within. And now they're trying to bring us, we've been making strides, but they want to get us back to that and we've got to fight. Completely. I was thrilled to see that uh, Nyende Okorafor is the the writer who's adapting that with uh, Violet Davis. I, I sat I, on a panel like, with her at Dragon Con last year. Oh no, yes. yeah, I saw her at Dragon Con. Yeah. I didn't. I missed. I missed y'all's panel though. It was I saw a, her panel a different one about women and and um, you know, uh, what was the panel? It was something about like us just doing what we needed to do in this industry and, and, um, you know, but yeah, so I met her, we were on a panel together and see, that's a panel that someone referred me for. Look, I got referred. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like we were talking earlier. Yeah. You know, uh, she's, she's a badass. She's got several things coming out, like several things she's working on and she has had yeah. an incredible journey, incredible life that yeah. she so casually talks about. And we're like, like this whole <laughs> yeah. writing thing 
was like, because she was an athlete and she was going to be like a doctor or something, then she got injured or she had some type of um, uh, medical situation and it kept her bedridden for like either months and months or a year or whatever. And that's yeah. how she started she writing. Like a, she was a tennis stud and like going to go on. And it exactly. was yeah. exactly. She was, she was pretty, that was, that was pretty cool. You got to meet her, hang out with her. That's awesome. I don't, uh, I doubt she remembers me. Right? I doubt. Well, not with that attitude. She doesn't. No. <laughs> I'd have to be like, do you remember back on? Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I want to be respectful of your time. This has been a lot of fun. I really love this book and I am going to read the entire series. So I've just got to figure out when. It's and deep. kind of figure out what order too, because <laughs> right. they were released. They're not released in chronological order. So it's almost that old Star Wars question. Do you start with the prequels or do you like, because now I've read the prequel, but right. which was 1980, but I, you know, the, the pattern of the books in the, in the chronological, chronology of the series it's mind of my mind which is 77 clay's arc uh-huh. which is 84 uh-huh. survivor which is 78 and then pattern master 76 so she wrote this prequel last i feel like it's always best to read or watch things in the order they were released I feel like that's yeah. the best because because I had this, you bring up the Star Wars thing. Because again, we used to rent DVDs from the library, me and my son. So when he was little, so it was just whatever came up. And I remember we put the, you know, because they get it from all the different ones. But we got back, what was it? We got back like episode, and I still call it Star Wars, not episode four. But we got back like episode one. And Empire Strikes Back. And I was like, what do I do? Like, what? I don't know what to do. And so I literally put it on Facebook. I'm like, what should I, should I wait until we get Star Wars? Because I always felt that seeing Star Wars first and then finding out that about Darth Vader, even though everybody knows it now, but I thought that was just such an amazing reveal at the time from Star Wars to Empire Strikes Back. Like that was just, so I'm like, that's how you're supposed to experience and be introduced to these characters. But some people were like, but if your kid is four, Jar Jar Binks is only cool to a four-year-old. So watch episode (laughs) one first. (laughs) Right. So that's how we started. Maybe not even then. (laughs) We, uh, we had not watched Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul as a family. Uh-huh. And we ended up watching them alternating. You know, we'd watch episode two of one and then watch episode two of the other. And I was not sold on it at first. Hank was pushing this and he was absolutely, it was really cool. Uh-huh. And with the synergy between the two was like really fun. And again, it's a different experience than people had who watched them, right. you know, as they were coming out live, but it wasn't, you know, it's just different, not any better or worse probably, right. but it was really kind of cool. Like you'd, you'd lose a character and then like, you know, 10 minutes later, somebody would die and then we'd be like, we get to see him again. Right. Like, oh, yeah. You know, was it, it was, the same was, actor? Because the same actor's like, but, oh, uh, money. No, right. The same, <laughs> hell yeah, it was. Like, bet that's in my check. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, what uh, I want to finish with just kind of um, what are you going to read next? Or oh, are you are, are you in the reading mood these days? Or how? I'm or, not a what good are you, reader. I, I don't know if we can talk about watching stuff, but. Uh, 
I know. I'm so excited because there's stuff that I'm still watching. And like I had recorded all these reviews and I edited like three. And then there were so many shows I really wanted to review and say something about when they came out. So I recorded them like in June. And so I still have those that need to come out. And then I'm like, oh, we're already here. And then now I'm actually about to do a review of Diddy's new album because that was amazing. And I was like, well, I can't review a show, so I'm going to review this album. Right, there we go. Right, but... which it's an amazing album. I'm not even going to lie. Um, okay. But yeah, uh, reading. So I don't read. Um, it's terrible. I always want to read. And then I don't. And then I have all these awesome books that make it look like I'm a good reader. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's more important. I have all these awesome <laughs> books that people come in and like, yeah, she's she went to Spellman. She has all these books by black women authors and they're. Damn you know? Skippy. <laughs> and then I have my whole library of all the dust filled books, theater books from college and everything too. Uh, God, but I yeah, I need to things. get a book, but I feel like I just need a book that I could kind of burn through. Like yeah. a burn I've, through book. I can't take I've, deep stuff right now. I love a burn through book. There's nothing nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. No, well, um, well, I will say this. My my um Two of my friends from high school are writers. So I've written, those are the last books I've read, which was probably about two years ago. That's so a good I, friend. I wrote, I read both of their books, um, two books by one, and one has another book coming out. Um, so I'm definitely going to read that one. Outstanding, outstanding. Uh, are you on social media still? Where yes, you... I'm Karen Cisse everywhere. Um, I'm, right. I have a TikTok account, but I don't TikTok. Um, okay. And X, I've pretty much X'd out. Like, I have an account, but. I clicked back on it this morning, actually, and I was like, I haven't been here a long time, and I really haven't missed it. I was never an X girl, even by its prior name, but I'm an IG girl. I'm an Instagram girl. That's me. All right. I will link to to your Instagram (laughs) in the show notes. Uh, Karen, thank you very much for for introducing me. me. To uh, the wild seed and being a part of my origin story with this book and this author. This is the first thing I've read from her and it won't be the last. Yes, yes. I definitely, um, I'll say like, again, the parables are deep, but fledgling. Check fledgling. That's kind of more of a a fun and not as the woes of all of our people. (laughs) Now or in the future. I hear you. Awesome. Thank you very much for being on the show. Oh, definitely. uh, Definitely. We will see you soon, I hope. Awesome. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Karen is a super talented and generous actor. Karen, thank you for being a part of my origin story with Octavia Butler and Wild Seed. And I hope some of you will join Stan and I as we read A Night in the Lonesome October by Roger Zelazny. Uh, Join us and... uh, Talk soon. Bye for now. Dana Dagahonwi. Until we meet again.